Welcome to Christ the King. We're very glad that you're here. And uh, we're going to continue this morning uh, in 1 Peter, looking at uh, the Apostles' letter uh, to churches that were suffering rather a good deal of persecution. And remember, this was not the imperial persecution under Rome that they were suffering under. It wasn't uh, uh, mass persecution. It was more local, uh, familial, and in their individual communities. And so people were experiencing a very uh, relational kind of persecution. As, as more and more people got converted to Christianity, uh, their relationships started to come under tension. Workplace, families, there were families where one person would become a Christian and the other would not, and so there was a lot of tension. And uh, uh, this all prompted the Apostle Peter to write this letter to encourage these churches that as we live together as a community, a church, in the last days, not to be surprised by persecution, not to be surprised by suffering, but rather to think clearly about what the gospel has to say about these things and to live our lives in a very unique and different way uh, than people live them around us. And so uh, let's read First Peter. And actually, uh, this morning, I'm going to start uh, reading. Let's pick it up at uh, uh, verse 22 rather than read the entire thing. We'll just read this last portion. Verse 22 down to uh, 2-3, chapter 2, verse 3. Now, in your bulletin, there's uh, passages are in there if you don't have your Bible with you, but if you do, you can turn there. Uh, now hear God's Word. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower fails, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news, or the gospel, that was preached to you. So put away all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk. That by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. This is the word of the Lord. The Apostle has been talking about our hope, and hope, I want to continue to remind you, in the Christian context, is not wishful thinking. Now, there is an understanding of hope in, in our vocabulary of, I hope something will happen, we're really not sure that it will happen, we just hope it will happen. Uh, but when the biblical authors write about hope, they're talking about something different. Hope uh, has a substantial object. In other words, hope is simply something that is certain, albeit in the future. It's out there in the future somewhere, but it is absolutely certain that it's going to happen. 
And so uh, the writer of the book of Hebrews could say something like, faith is the substance of things hoped for. What he's saying is our faith is that which reaches out into the future and lays hold of something that is not wishful thinking, but is objective, something we can be certain of, that we can lay hold of. It's substantial. And so he's talked about love. Then he's talked about holiness. And I told you uh, over the past couple of weeks that we have uh, Christians have gotten over the centuries all kinds of crazy ideas about holiness. And we tend to think that holiness is just being good, just being nice, just being uh, pure in some sense in your actions and your thoughts and your behaviors. And while that is true, it is only true if in fact you have already been made holy by the power of the Holy Spirit. In other words, there is a kind of holiness in which you are already what you're made to be. Who you are determines then what you do. If you get those backwards, if you try to say, well, I'm going to be a good person and therefore I will be acceptable to God, that's not Christianity. That's something else. But if you say, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner, And you turn your heart over to Jesus and He regenerates you. And you're born again as the Apostle Peter speaks about in this first chapter, two places. When you're born again, then you take on a new creation, a new nature. And that nature is one of holiness. Now, I'm the first one to admit it doesn't feel like that. Sometimes it feels like the opposite of that. But we are to strive in our growth towards holiness the rest of our lives because that's who we are. That's who we've been made to be. And it's a lifelong pursuit. You can get frustrated and that's okay. God understands our our frustration. He knows that we're dust. He understands that. And so we, we need to have a good grip of what holiness is. We'll talk a little bit about that in a moment. And then He wants us to grow. Because we are a new foundation, we are a new humanity, a new community of people, and we're to be distinctly different. Not because we don't smoke, we don't dance, we don't gamble, we don't do these. Not because of all the lists of don'ts that culture and uh, and society tells us, but because of the things we actually do. That's what makes true holiness, and uh, I'll explain that in a moment. Uh, A theologian uh, from Westminster uh, Seminary in in Philadelphia, Edmund Clowney, he's dead now, but Dr. Clowney said this in his commentary on the book of 1 Peter. What we are to do, listen carefully, what we are to do is grounded in what God has done in us. What we are to do is grounded in what God has done in us. God's Word, listen, God's Word renews, cleanses, and matures us for a life of love. That is the distinct characteristic that Peter is saying, this is where we need to be going with all our efforts, especially when we're suffering, especially when we're living in tension. And that tension, like I said earlier, may be relational just simply within families or within your job or your community. It could be just within your, your political framework. You feel like you're under the gun. You know, when, when one political 
uh, group is in power, the other one cries like babies that they're being persecuted. And now, you know, the shoe's on the other foot and you've got the other group is crying like babies. And the one group that is not to be crying like babies and, and whining and complaining about everything is who? What's that group? Huh? That's us. But, unfortunately, you see Christians out there whining and complaining with the rest. And I'm your pastor. I'm the boss. And I'm telling you folks, stop it. Stop the complaining. Stop the whining about politics, about the economy, about this and that and the other thing. We live in a land that is absolutely flowing with milk and honey. You could be the poorest person in the United States. You've got a cell phone and a TV, probably more than one, and cars and mass transit and health care and on and on it goes. I mean, for goodness sakes. And so stop it. Let's stop the complaining. Let's be the people of God. If nowhere else, let's do it at Christ the King. Yes, will you all join me? I mean, I'm, I'm already holy, and I want you to be holy like me. No, I'm kidding. All right. Look, understand, folks, we have got to take our Bible seriously. If you've been born again, in fact, we're going to talk about this in just a moment. If you've been born again, then you are under an obligation to live your faith in a true way, authentically before the world, okay? So let's look at three things this morning. We're going to look, first of all, at our new life, what Peter calls the new life, who we are. We're going to do that briefly because we've done it week after week. Then we're going to look at true holiness. I'm going to try to give you, I hope, if, it, if this will click with you, some of you are going to go from here skipping and singing and praising the name of Jesus because when you finally realize what true holiness is, you can say, you know, I can do that. With the help of God's Holy Spirit, I can live in true holiness. Even though my behavior may go sideways from time to time, I know that I can pursue this. This is a goal you can reach. Because Peter and Jesus and Paul and everybody else put it out there and said, go for this. This is true holiness. So we're going to look at true holiness. And then finally, we're going to look at a new appetite. What do you crave? What do you long for? So those, there's your outline uh, very briefly. Uh, a new life, a true holiness, and a new appetite. So we'll look at those three things. First of all, the new life, who we are. Look at verse 23. Since you have been born again. Since you have been born again. Uh, this is a, a, uh, a, a form of Greek which means this has already happened to you and you had nothing to do with it yourself. In other words, you did not cause yourself to be born again. It is God who caused you through His Word or through the Gospel, however you want to think about it, through his, the truth that is contained in the Gospel. Jesus died for you, gave His life for you. Will you trust Him? That's simple, very simple. He gave His life for you. Will you trust Him? Somebody says yes. And then that Gospel takes a hold in their heart and regenerates that person. The person is regenerated. They're born again, born anew, born from above. And it's just like a baby that has just been born. You know, you're in an infantile stage. You need to grow. You need to crave and long. When a baby is not eating, ask any of the mothers in here when their babies are not eating and are not longing to be fed, there's, there's reason to be concerned. They're not thriving. And so the pediatricians and doctors and, you know, the, we have all kinds of ways we stimulate the baby to, to eat because if they don't eat, they can't thrive, they can't grow. And we all know that. It goes throughout your life. 
And so consequently, we have this new life. And faith, your faith and my faith, does not cause this new birth. This new birth is the work of God. And we often get that backwards and we think, well, you know, I've got to have faith and then I will be born again. And when the reality is, since you've been born again, and he uses a form of Greek, it's very clear, it's already happened to you, now you're to live this way. You see? And if you can let that soak into your, into your skin and get down inside of you, your life will take on a different complexion. It won't, it won't improve overnight, believe me. It has taken years and years of hard work for me to become the paragon of virtue uh, that you see before. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. With you. I'm, trying to, I'm trying to keep keep your attention, folks, because this is so important. We, we, tend to get, we tend to get our Christianity all about behavior. And Christianity has got to start with who you are. What has God done inside you? And as you look back and you rehearse your life, you think about where you were. In the journey, we teach the guys to share their, their testimony in one minute, three minutes, I don't know, is it ten minutes, VJ? I mean, we have this, this array of ways we teach guys to share their testimony. And we basically tell them, here's what I was, here's how I came to know Jesus Christ, and here's what I am today. And when you can see your life in that very simple framework, if you can look back and say, wow, here's what I was or here's what I might have been if God had not stepped in and interrupted me with the new birth. But here's where I am. Here's where, where I was when I met Jesus Christ. Here's what he did in me. And wow, here's where I am now. And you can look back. That way God captures, listen folks, he captures all your life, past, present, and future. And he puts it in the context of your being born again. Since you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding Word of God. Through God's Word. Through the Gospel. Okay? Alright, that's new life. Let's talk for a minute about true holiness. Because of who we are, we've been born again, since we've been born again, now He tells us we are to, listen to this, we are to love earnestly. Love earnestly. The word earnestly means to stretch or to strain with unceasing intensity. It's a very specific word that means to stretch and to strain with unceasing intensity. In other words, when you hit an obstacle, and he's, he's implying that there's going to be obstacles that challenge you to love. Yeah? Like a spouse. Any of you have one of those? They'll challenge you to love. Or a child. Or how about you young kids? you have a parent? The parent will challenge you to love. They can be hard to get along with. Now, I'm not. I'm the perfect parent. But my kids are very difficult. And it's hard. I've got one of them here today. He knows. I'm, you're difficult, right, Dan? He's just... No. It can be difficult to love, yes? No matter who it is. So what is he talking about? Love earnestly. He's saying your love, Christian love, you want to put it in that context, Christian love should be one that really stretches, that it's elastic. It's not easily snapped or broken. You can't just 
touch it and it snaps apart. It's so fragile, you know, that it just, you can't even breathe on it and it falls apart, which unfortunately is what we see very often. The littlest thing can cause us to get out of sync with love and to actually start to despise or worse, become indifferent to someone, okay? Listen to what C.S. Lewis said in his book, The Four Loves. If you haven't read it, you should read it. It's really wonderful. Listen to this. Love anything. Love anything. And your heart will certainly be wrung, possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping your heart intact, you must give your heart to no one. Not even an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The alternative to tragedy or suffering, or at least the risk of tragedy or suffering, is damnation. The only place outside of heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the perturbations, the dangers and perturbations of love is hell. Don't you wish you could write like that? What he's saying is, if, if, if your heart, if you don't want to love, if you don't want your heart to be hurt, do not love. Don't love anything. Don't even love an animal 